time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. People, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to challenge. Hello, Bow Chicky Wow Wow, Cold Two hundred and two, Korea Part Fuckity Fuckteenth. I don't know, whatever. Um, at the end of our last episode, uh, <gasps> Dougie Mac and uh, the Buck Tooth stops here. Truman, right? Uh, meet. In the middle yes. of nowhere, Wake Island, uh, 9th of October, 1950. No, 15th of October, 1950. Yeah, yeah. Um, does not go well. Um, and yeah. as I said last time, I think the whole point of the Wake Island conference was uh, for Truman to mm-hmm. help Dougie Mack understand who was giving the orders and, and what the chain of command was. And right. MacArthur understood perfectly. Uh, he was. Uh, (laughs) but but hold on for a second if you're MacArthur out of everything that you've done in your life and you did work for the longest time with FDR and now not even FDR Jr. is standing before you I mean you can almost forgive MacArthur for for going you know what I'll smile and nod and I'll say whatever words but as soon as I can I'm going to get back on that plane go back to Tokyo and I'm going to do whatever the fuck I think is best. I mean you in some ways you can't blame him but on the other hand that is very scary to have a, an officer or commanding officer go you know what I'm not going to listen to my political masters I'm going to do whatever I think's best. So mm. on one hand I can see where he's coming from but on the other hand that's a dangerous precedent and this is not the first time MacArthur has defied his political masters. Mm. When he got back to Tokyo, um, MacArthur's guys asked him what he thought of Truman, and he said, Uh-oh. "Bit of a cut." <laughs> uh, Not wrong. But what he, about this? He yeah, go ahead, go ahead. To get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that because I'll get in trouble. <laughs> but could you? I mean, <laughs> you've got to think that. Um, one, on one hand, yeah, Truman wants to get MacArthur to toe the line. Two, you know, it, it's a good photo op for now because because uh, of Inchon. But you've got to think that on one hand, if things do go bad for MacArthur, Truman can no longer say, well, you know what? I got to be honest with you. I never really met the guy before. I've never had a chat. There was no face to face. I didn't know that he was getting older or mentally imbalanced or whatever, he, he kind of can't say that now because he has talked to this guy for a couple of hours. But again, I think he was probably thinking the risk was worth it. Maybe I can get him in, to go remind MacArthur who in the fuck the president is. But like you said, I, I think whatever Truman wanted, it blew up in his face. He said that he thought uh, Truman was... Mentally retarded. <laughs> you can't say... I can't say that. Delete. It's all relative. Don't Is tell it? me what to do. <laughs> That's a power play, baby. But later on right. that night, he said... It was a good kisser, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could have told you that. Yeah. yeah. Truman uh, went home confident based on what Dougie Mack had told him, that uh, the Chinese or the Soviets were just not going to get involved. They were not going to intervene. He had it direct oh, from the horse's God. mouth. If you can't yeah, trust Dougie Mack on these things, who can you trust? Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. I, I didn't know he was an expert in China. Uh, I thought he was an expert in himself, but I didn't know. I mean, what, what is MacArthur going to know about what's going, on, what's going on in China that Washington doesn't know? He's God. He knows everything. A God. A God. A God. Okay. I stand corrected. Uh, so, yeah, MacArthur thought it was a big waste of time. He'd flown 2,000 miles from his headquarters for a big bowl of nothing soup. And <laughs> on the I 19th answer. of October, a few days after yeah. the conference, Pyongyang fell. The ah. ROK troops marched into the city, uh, clinging to the hulls of American tanks. Yes. To find that the streets were empty, most of the civilians had fled or were in hiding, there was little to no resistance from the North Korean troops. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Now, the leader of the ROK 1st Division was General Paik Sun Yup. He said, right. I had left five years earlier as a refugee. Now I was back with 10,000 men, 100 guns, and a battalion of M46 tanks. Nice. So, so the Americans excited. are good for something. Yeah, yeah. He, he's very, yeah. I mean, we, we they took our capital. They took most of our yeah. country. Now we've taken their capital. Good, heady times at, you know, are ahead of us. Well, I know. I think he he had fled from there as a refugee. So he gotcha. must have been okay. from the north originally, General Paik. Uh, mm-hmm. And came back. And it worked out? So far, working out great. So, An American, right. uh, Colonel right. Archibald Melchior. Good name. Yeah, uh, just decided to set up a new government there. He thought, yeah, well, that's basically my job. I right. just, that's what we do in America. Yeah. We just. But, but he asked himself, how would Cam and Ray set up a representative government? Oh, I know. I'm going to go out to the street and I'm just going to start pointing at people. You, you get to be on the committee and you get to be on the committee. And, and there's your non-communist council ready to run the country for them because they happen to be walking the building at that particular time. Yeah. And apparently uh, the people that he was picking were mostly like, I don't know, local celebrities, uh, TikTok stars, oh. uh, people with... It had a hit in the uh, 40s. Um, <laughs> One yeah, hit wonder. Just right? a- anyone <laughs> that had a little bit of brand name recognition. As, yeah. Asked a couple of podcasters and they said, yeah, I got to be honest with you, I ain't got the time. I'd love the money, cause I don't, but I, 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 I can't fit you yeah. into my schedule. Terribly Too sorry. many interviews. Yeah. We <laughs> thought the war was over, said General Paik. <laughs> Uh, the North Koreans were now completely right. wiped out, throwing away their weapons as we met them. Mm. Um, there's some crazy stories about the British units when they got there and they were driving up north. In one case I read in one book, they drove past an entire column. As the British were driving north, they drove past an entire column of North Korean soldiers marching north and just, you know waved at them and just drove past because the North Koreans were just resigned, defeated, no weapons, just trudging uh, to try and get it far away, as far away from the Americans as possible. There seemed to be no organised resistance from the North Koreans on any large scale. Mm -hmm. Um, North Koreans had fled en masse into Manchuria. Right. And uh, the Americans just thought, that's it, it's over, And said, as did the ROK troops. We won. Let's mm. just keep going, take it all over, crush any remaining pockets of resistance that we can yeah. find. It was a mopping up operation right. from the view of the American and ROK exactly. troops. Climax, yeah, this is near the end. Now... For all of that that's going on, and yes, that's great for the uh, for the Americans and the South Koreans. Remember the Marines who got back on board the ship uh, at Incheon? They sailed down around, and now we're coming up on the east coast of North Korea. Um, things didn't quite go so well for them because as they're about to land, they find that they can't land yet because of harbor mines. And so while they're sitting there for weeks... A couple of things actually happened while they're just sitting on these boats being tossed by the waves. Yeah, but before I get into that, I wanted to point out that when MacArthur showed up in Pyongyang, not long after the troops liberated it, Mm -hmm. he stepped off his plane and said, any celebrities here to greet me? Where is Kim (laughs) Baktooth? That's so racist. You can be a killer. That's fine, but don't be a racist. Come on, that's, that's a little cunty. Uh, he's speaking Cantonese. You know what I'm saying? Don't, 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 don't speak Cantonese. Don't. <laughs> Gotta make a note for myself. Uh, get an audio clip. <laughs> now that one I'm actually proud of. So please add that to the soundboard. Yeah, get get all that no, down. Not Cantonese. Spells your Cantonese. <laughs> Well, I don't think he spoke Cantonese, but he certainly did <clears throat> speak the other one. Yeah. But yes, as you say, the Marines and the US 7th Division had jumped on uh, some uh, yeah, you know, LSTs, lu- luxury yachts, 
and from the war. headed for yeah. Wonsan on the right. east coast. Now, these 7th Division troops already had low morale, felt like they hadn't done a very good job uh, so far in the war. And uh, to, to improve the morale, uh, right. their command decided to do some demonstration exercises well, yeah. to demonstrate yeah. what a crack fucking <laughs> division they were. The best of the best, I'm telling you. Right. This is the best America has to. Oh, they're not sending them, sending us their rapists and their no. pedophiles. No criminals. This no. is the best of the best. Um, We're going to prove and, um, it. Yeah. One of the demonstration exercises that right. they did before jumping right. on the ships uh, in front of thousands of uh, spectators. Oh, good. Was in, involved white phosphorus bombs that they right. were firing. Um, what wasn't supposed to be part of the demonstration was <laughs> that um, they killed right. 16 of their own troops and wounded another 80 yeah. with white phosphorus right. bombs. Now, I don't know how much you know about white phosphorus bombs, Please Ray, tell but, me. Yeah, sounds deadly. Uh, they, they, they explode white phosphorus all over you. White phosphorus burns. Uh, right when it has contact with oxygen at 2,760 degrees Celsius, which Fuck. is about 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. You get it on right. your skin it just and it burns at 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So those 16 men not only died, but died as almost as painfully as you can possibly imagine. So... I, and the ones yeah. that got injured got seriously, seriously fucking... Uh, right. Yes, injured. Jesus. Yeah. Now, to put this in perspective, uh, the surface of the sun is oh, about yeah. 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. All right. So white phosphorus uh, is about half as hot. It's only half as hot as the surface <laughs> of the sun. I don't know what you're complaining about. Pussies. Right. Well, see, no, you say that, but I actually had a woman come up to me where we we were in Rome, and she said, you know, my only goal in life is to fuck Cam. And I said, well, he's not here, but I'm here. She said, you're only half as good looking as he is. And I was like, half is better than nothing. Half is great. It was a great, well, we didn't have to, you didn't have to, anyways, it was a great two minutes for both of us. But the point is, sometimes getting half is better than none at all. Uh, That's all I'm saying. Uh, now, not only does phosphorus burn at 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit, but it, it, when it gets on your skin, your body absorbs it. Oh, fuck. And it gets into your system, can destroy oh. your liver, your heart, your kidneys from the inside, causes multiple organ failure. Now, inter- it's uh, interesting background to it. Also yeah. known as Willie Pete in uh, military lingo. I've heard that. Um, yeah. Yeah, a bit of Willie Pete. Um, has an interesting history was first developed in the 19th century by the Finians, the Irish nationalist movement. They, oh, my God. It was developed in labs that they had uh, run by uh, slave leprechauns that they would uh, <laughs> chain up and right. hide their um, pots of right. gold from them uh, unless they built chemical weapons. To be sure. It was known as... The <laughs> yeah, good one. Right, yeah. To be sure, to be sure. It was first known as Fenian Fire, which mm. was also the name of a band I was in in the late eighties. Mm. Uh, oh, the eighties! Uh, Great. It was mostly just uh, whiskey, drunk whiskey songs. A uh, bit of. We're not uh, talking about the phosphorus anymore, are we? Uh, my band. Uh, right. yeah. No, I'm just going. Just, just joking. Go ahead. Yeah. We changed their name Whiskey. later on to White Phosphorus. Yeah. Okay. Pink. In 1916 in Australia, there was this big um, struggle over conscription during the First World War. Right. And uh, the, there were 12 members of the International Workers of the World, the IWW, that were opposed to conscription. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were arrested in Sydney and convicted for plotting to use white phosphorus Damn. against uh, various targets to uh, yeah. ca- cause trouble. Um, they were agitating for the release of a colleague, Tom Barker, who had been thrown in jail for making an anti-war poster. Mm. 
that was uh, America's freedom and democracy yeah. in nineteen sixteen. It was like selectively, to, like yeah. it was in the U.S. Like <coughs> to try and prevent conscription or the country getting involved in the war was considered uh, sedition. Yeah, in this country. Now the Sydney Twelve, as they were known, um, and I'd never heard of these before until mm-hmm. I started researching white phosphorus for the show. Uh, there was an inquiry a couple of years later. They were, they were sentenced to like 15 years. It was, it was an inquiry and it was determined that it was all wow. a big setup. It was right. all the police uh, set up uh, <sighs> and they all got pardoned and released. Was Most that, of them yeah. got pardoned. Was that like the CIA who was willing to shoot down planes and kill people in Florida to justify an invasion of Cuba? I'm, I was reading about that the other day. and Really? Yeah. That's pretty fucked up. Uh, it's a certain operation name, but I can't remember. I'll, I'll send it, you the link when I get a chance. But anyway, yeah. so it sounds like they were just drumming up drama. Yeah. Oh, now, the Americans. The, no, I'm sorry. No, ju- still talking about white phosphorus. And yeah, according to ahead. the Geneva Convention of 1980, the right. uh, use of white phosphorus against civilian populations or even against enemies in areas where civilians live or, or close by is a war crime, but it's still not banned. No. For being used against enemy targets, according to the right. Geneva Conventions. But the Chemical Weapons Convention does prohibit the use of white phosphorus with all other chemicals from being used as a weapon. But, of course, countries, including the US, still use them. Turkey was accused just recently of using them in Syria and Iraq. The US Army has also been accused of using them in Syria and Iraq. It's one of these things where America says, yeah, uh, uh, we don't use chemical weapons anymore unless we, unless we do. And even and, then, and even, when they were accused of viewing it, using them in Syria and Iraq a few years ago, um, they denied it uh, and then later on said, oh, yeah, yeah, we did yeah. do that. Whoops, that was sorry, nice. that was yeah. a mistake. Um, I couldn't whoops. admit it then, but I admit it now. Hopefully you've forgotten yeah. and you don't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we'll just slip this one through at 5 to 5 on a Friday afternoon. Right. uh, Right. I I do remember the Americans shot phosphorus mortars at German tanks. So, yeah, it it could get the job done against tanks. It's certainly going to, uh, to unfortunately, kill those 16 men who were, I guess, either a part of or near the demonstration that was going on to raise morale. Yeah, to raise morale, we killed 16 and wounded 80, probably in the most painful way possible. But now yeah. we're all going to jump on our transports and head for Wonsan. Woohoo! Yes, so. We can kill it. We're USA. 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 But. Now, as yeah. you said, when they arrived at Wonsan, uh, they couldn't disembark for two weeks because there were mines blocking the harbour entrance. They had to get mine sweepers to come in. Imagine. Sitting on these transports for a couple for of weeks, oh just off the coast. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of fun, I New. imagine. And then, while they're still on the transports, they hear that the ROK has beaten them there. They just marched <laughs> overland and got there. Oh, and right. even Bob Hope had beaten them there. <laughs> Bob Hope was there to do a USO show in Wonsan, <laughs> which he did the night before the transports yeah. disembarked. That's fucked. So, it was his first um, trip into Korea, and they missed it. Yes. But it gets worse from there, because then they were told that the capital division uh, of the South Koreans uh, was actually 50 miles north, and they were still on the move. So these Marine, this first Marine division is as pissed as they can be, but it's beyond their control. But they've landed now. I think it was uh, October 25th. They finally landed. Meanwhile, the British proposed the establishment of a buffer zone south oh, of the Yalu River, which is right. sort of runs the on the border of well, China and North Korea today. It was at the border of Manchuria and North Korea then. Uh-huh. That would be jointly policed by China and the UN, where uh, the North Koreans could uh, safely reside. Um, Dougie Mack, of course, was uh, <laughs> furious. He said, the widely reported British desire to appease the Chinese communists by giving them a strip of North Korea finds its historic precedent in the action taken at Munich on the 29th of September 1938 to give up any portion of North Korea to the aggression of the Chinese communists would be the greatest 
defeat of the free world in recent times, indeed to yield to so immoral a proposition, would bankrupt our leadership and influence in Asia and render untenable our position both politically and morally. Classic American hubris. The aggression of the Chinese. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, which one of you has invaded a country? Well, we have, but they're the ones with the aggression. They have. What have they done? Well, nothing as far as we know yet. But it's our. They're they're the aggressors. Yeah. Yeah. If you stop me from fighting for freedom, then you're the aggressor, and I have to kill you. Besides the fact that I really do want to kill you, me think that MacArthur protests too much. Protests too much. So the guy who was approaching the Chinese border a million miles away from America with a massive army is accusing China of being the aggressors. But using Munich, the Munich Agreement against the British. Ruthless, but utterly brilliant. And I think that's a good way to sum up MacArthur. He doesn't have time for niceties. Whatever is the most shocking thing or whatever statement will get it done. I mean, he basically, he just painted the British into a corner, politically speaking. Yeah. Doesn't have time for niceties. No. Diplomacy, following <laughs> orders. Or foreplay. Right, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So... On October 20th, MacArthur tells his command, I want you be, to be ready for a maximum effort on the border of North Korea. The Joint Chiefs of Staff, who he's already slapped down a couple of times when they hear about this, they don't even flinch. They're not even going to try to control this guy anymore. Uh, they sh- that's when they should have stepped up and said, no, 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 that goes exact against everything we were talking about. But they're not even going to try to check MacArthur anymore. On the 23rd of October, at a joint meeting in Washington of the British and American Chiefs of Staff, General Omar Bradley, Mm -hmm. Omar coming, Bradley, (laughs) declared, we all agree that if the Chinese communists come into Korea, we get out. MacArthur went, say what? Losers say what? (laughs) You know? But the next day, on October 24th, MacArthur tells General Allman and General Walker that they were authorized to use any and all ground forces as necessary to secure all of North Korea. So Joint Chiefs of Staff are saying one thing, and they are MacArthur's boss. MacArthur's saying, you've got free range, carte blanche, whatever the term is, blank check, do whatever you have to do to secure all of North Korea. Someone's not getting the message here. The Joint Chiefs in Washington uh, said to MacArthur, uh, say what? And he just ignored them. (laughs) Yes. Again, for the fourth time or whatever. Yeah. General Collins, who is the Army Chief of Staff, effectively MacArthur's direct boss, uh, knew that he was being flatly disobeyed by the commander in the field. By the way, his nephew was Michael Collins the command module pilot on the Apollo 11 mission in 1969. Now, in the same week, the Joint Chiefs asked MacArthur to issue a statement that would assure the Chinese that the Suiho Dam, which was generating a lot of electricity electricity for North Korea and Manchuria and uh, China. It was the largest dam in Asia. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, the largest dam in Asia, the third or fourth largest in the world, depending Mm -hmm. on who uh, you believe, uh, (laughs) built by the Japanese between 1937 and 1943, was featured then, uh, as I think now, on the national emblem of North Korea. That's how big a fucking deal it is. It's a big deal. Yes. Uh, they asked, here. it's now known as the Supung Dam, the Joint Chiefs asked MacArthur to issue a statement to the Chinese that the dam would be safe sure. from UN military action. Yeah. And MacArthur was like, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> like, if, it's, if, if they're using electricity from it, I'm going to bomb the fucking shit out of it. <clears throat> we didn't Big ask mistake. you. We told Big, you. Huge. Yes, yeah. Could you could you maybe issue a statement to make everybody feel better? Fuck you. Fuck them. Fuck everybody. I'm MacArthur. God damn. I, mean, I don't know. But he's basically telling everybody to go fuck off and he's going to do what he wants. And they're still not getting it. And I guess from their perspective, Washington's perspective, they think or, or hope. Look, it's it's all over. It's nearly yeah, over. Yeah, done. Just, just put up with this asshole. Like, 
my yeah. first couple of marriages. You get to a point where you just go, look, it's almost over. I'll just put up with everything and hang on and I'll go have fun right. when it's finally over. Right. You know? I, I, yeah. I'll just grip my teeth and bear it yeah. for a little while longer. You know, right. It's like Heather in your uh, court mandated um, quarterly right. sex night. Yes, um, thank God like, for She's that. like, okay, three yeah. and a half minutes tops. Whoa. Grip my teeth. Don't put that much pressure it, on. It'll me. all be over soon. She's like, right. uh, yeah, one of the handmaids in uh, <laughs> Handmaid's Tale. I have no Just, problem uh, with that. Actually, I got her yeah. that outfit. Kind of turns me on, but that, I'm probably sharing too much uh, at this point. <laughs> um, now, again, there's no debate in the UN or the US about Good occupying point. the North. It just happens because MacArthur wants it to happen. He Everyone, wills it. He wills Nobody it. has the balls to uh, stop him. Um, yeah, right in the balls. <laughs> yeah, he's got them right in the balls. Right. And no. he's, he's got yeah. them right in the balls. And <laughs> he's, he's, he's not wrong. But I think you're right. I think this is a shit show, politically speaking. The UN has been pretty much cut out of it. But the fact that it's almost over with everybody's like, okay, MacArthur's an asshole, and we're not really sure what he's going to do. But either way, this can't get much worse. It's almost over with. We'll just ride this out, not unlike Heather during sex, and everything's going to be fine. But that is not going to happen. <laughs> and I don't know if it's sex, if only one person's having a good time, or if only one person's awake. I don't know where the where do you draw the line. Anyway, yeah. I'm done. No one knows. Yeah, <laughs> they keep moving it. Yeah. Um, Now, as for Chinese intervention, according to Max Hastings, he writes, at the root of American action lay a contempt, conscious or unconscious, for the capabilities of Mao Zedong's nation and armed forces. Right. And I think this, this kind of racism in America regarding the Chinese is still prevalent today. Like, I've had this conversation... Mm -hmm. You know, in, a, in, in the bullshit filter episodes and chats with people, right. um, you know, when, when you know, the American media and Biden's doing this at the moment. And I saw uh, even like yesterday, there was some statement came out of the Pentagon or, so, or the Biden administration mm-hmm. or something talking about, oh, China could build more nuclear weapons by 2050. They could have a thousand nuclear weapons and blah, 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 blah. Like that, they're the threat. America's sitting on like fifteen hundred, like already. Like, right? We're supposed to be worried about China, um, and but when we would do the when with all of this fear mongering about China, I'm always like, why should I be worried about China when America's the one with eight hundred military bases and that's dropped nuclear bombs and has invaded all these countries? Yeah. I say, give me a list of countries that China's invaded since uh, you know the Korean War. Right. And since the end of World War Two, since Mao Zedong took over, and the answer I always get back from Americans is, well, they they were too weak until recently to do that. Right. They couldn't they couldn't do that because they were too weak. Right. You know, like really, they sent two million troops into Korea in 1950, and you think they're too they've been too weak yeah. to do anything like this kind of. It's partly ignorance, I think, about history, yeah. but also just this, I don't know, it, 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 part of it is just kind of racist, I think. I think people still think of China as a bunch of dumb, yes. hick uh, Asians. Uh, it's, uh, they're not given the credit they deserve. Um, they've been mostly poor, right. yes, yeah. up until recently, but they still had a massive fucking arm. Yeah. The only experience I've ever had with Chinese is that they ruined the curve when I was in grade school for us dumb white guys. But anyway, I don't know. But but I do find this interesting. It's like, on one hand, are the Chinese communists dangerous to world freedom? Absolutely. Are they dangerous militarily? Nah, fuck them. We could take them in a week if we had to. I don't get... Yeah. But that's the attitude the Americans... Hell, we got it even today. But, but that's the attitude that was there at this particular time. And so America's concerned... But they're, they're not respectful enough of what the Chinese troops could do if they come in. And so they probably aren't as fearful as they should have been, or respectful as they should have been. And there's a certain level of chest beating or triumphalism right. in this. It's like, look, we, we, just, we, we kicked ass 
Uh, we're the greatest, right. and they can't. There's nothing that they can do to uh, stop us, even if yeah. they try. Two thousand one, Afghanistan. We're going to fucking. What are those people are going to do? They're, they're, they, you know, do they even have yeah. running water? We're going to kick so much ass. It's going to be easy. Bunch of sand yeah. monkey raghead. Right. Towelhead, whatever they call them. Yeah. You, They're just, it's right. this, it, it is. It's this it's genuine same, sort of yes. racist yeah. thing that's built into American DNA. Underrest- the same in Vietnam, right? Underestimating yes. the enemy because we'll you think out. they're yeah. not, because they're not white. They're not white. And so we can, we're better. It's, exactly. Because God's white. You, you told me, Harold, uh, just real quick, mm-hmm. you told me when we, one of the first conversations we had about chess, you said, Play the board, not the person. So it, ignore the person. You know, what's the situation on the ground? What's the reality in front of you? And the Americans at this point are not looking at that. They're just going, Chinese, oh, they're poor. They're not really a threat. Besides their numbers, they're not a threat to us. We had a conversation about chess. Long, we never we, have a conversation about long, chess. Long, long. This is one of our very first conversations. You were telling me how much you liked it. I told you I used to play, and you said that, and... Then I said, well, clearly he knows what he's talking about, so I'm never going to play him. I think that was the end. Yeah, why have we never had a game then in eight years? Because <laughs> I just told you. <laughs> okay. I don't like to lose, so I don't play. Uh, I would have thought you'd just used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I don't have a high tolerance to losing. You, you would think. Anyway, go ahead. What, what were you saying? It's a great line from The Wire, isn't it? Um, What's that? Oh, the guy who was the head of McNulty's uh, unit. Um, I love that guy. His name excuse me. He's meeting with his wife, who's like a political operative, and uh, she says, you cannot lose if you do not play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's my motto. Harold Stassen, the 25th governor of Minnesota and the leading candidate for the Republican nomination for president in 1948, mm-hmm. gave a speech in front of Republican candidates on the 5th of November said that the war in Korea was the direct result of five years of building up Chinese communist strength through the blinded, blundering American-Asiatic policy of the present national administration. Five years of coddling Chinese communists. Five years of undermining General MacArthur. Five years of appeasing the arch-communist Mao Zedong. Bullshit, but effective. I mean, we're literally winning the war at this point, and he's still calling Truman a pansy. We're the ones who gave China, what, $5 billion? I'm trying to remember the number. We gave them billions of dollars of uh, weapons, not only during World War II, but during the Chinese Civil War. So uh, that's bullshit, but I'm sure it resonated with the Republican voters. Gave the Kuomintang the money, not yeah. Mao Zedong. Right? Yeah, but they still were able to grab it. So I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And now, from the American perspective, Mao was going to be appeased no longer. They were going to stare him down yes. and fuck him up if he dared to cross the border. I am so proud right now. Meanwhile, yeah. on November 1st, uh, Beetle Smith, the uh, head of the CIA at the time, director of the CIA, right. Accurately wrote in a report that the Chinese probably genuinely fear an invasion of Manchuria, that they would want to build a cordon sanitaire for border security, regardless of the increased risk of general war. Mm -hmm. But on November 24th, the CIA still found insufficient evidence to suggest a Chinese plan for major offensive operations. Mm. Um, Of course... At that stage, as I said earlier, China already had tens of thousands of troops uh, in the country, hundreds of thousands of troops on the border ready to go into the country, but CIA had no evidence that uh, there was anything going on in China. Doing a crack job, (laughs) as usual, uh, the CIA. Hit the ground running, they did. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't get too much right. Well, certainly early on, but uh, this is just another one of their... Remember we talked about a couple of episodes ago where Truman was... Was he chewing out the CIA because they missed so many calls? Well, fuck, here's another one that is going to... We're going to pay dearly for. But my take on it is they they did have intelligence that said that the Chinese were, you know, uh, uh, making some moves, right. but... 
it was this blindness that they had, the assumptions and the um, conclusions that they had reached that Moscow wasn't going to get involved because it didn't want a global war, and they were right about that, mm-hmm. but that Beijing wouldn't get involved if Moscow wasn't going to get involved uh, because Moscow told Beijing what to do. Never assume. I mean, yeah. The Americans have wrapped it all up nice and tidy with their uh, either justifications or with their proper with their attitude towards this, and so they've already determined what is and what is not going to happen, and they can't see anything else, even though it's in front of them. Meanwhile, Mao attacked in late October. Um, now he had been ready to defend China, right, and defend North Korea since the beginning of the war. A Chinese military intelligence group arrived in Pyongyang three weeks after the war started. And as early as August 4th, we now know, Mm -hmm. Mao was considering intervening in Korea. If the Americans invaded the North, he said, we must therefore come to North Korea's aid and intervene in the name of a volunteer army. Oh, my God. So it's on now. So he was ready to do this from the get-go. right? And... um, you know, the Americans just had convinced themselves that he hadn't. Around about the time of the Inchon landing, mm-hmm. a North Korean officer, Pak Il-Yu, requested uh, Chinese military assistance. And then on October 1st, Kim uh, organised a meeting with the Chinese ambassador right. and asked that they send in the PLA army across the Yalu River uh, and it was basically a done deal. Mao had agreed to do that. The only question at this stage was the timing. On September 30th, 12 infantry, infantry divisions. Right. Um, now, this apparently worried Stalin and surprised him. Mm-hmm. He didn't think Mao was going to go ahead without him. And obviously Stalin was worried that it might kick off a world war. Um, and so he backed off um, oh. a previous commitment to provide air power to protect China's right. coasts if that happened. He was <laughs> like, well, if you do that, you're on your own. My name's Paul <laughs> and, and the this other, is between uh, y'all. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. that's kind of fascinating. Like, uh, again, as we said last episode, a few months earlier, June, July, America's convinced that this is the start of a global communist right. uh, world, global takeover, communist offensive. And at this point, yeah. Stalin's like, hey, man, you yeah. get involved in this shit and it right. get, they, turns south, yeah. don't come to me for help. I'm not getting involved. That's that's the gap between what America thought was going on and Stalin said right. and what was but, really going on and Stalin said. The whole Cold War was based on the premise that Stalin was going to take over the world and he didn't even want to support China if they got involved in a conflict with uh, yeah, the US. Yeah. And the other side's got nuclear missiles, uh, atomic weapons, and he's not forgetting that anytime soon. So, yeah. Plus, he's old, he's weak, he doesn't yeah. need this shit. He doesn't. Now, North Korean and Chinese documents that we now have access to make it clear that China didn't want to enter the war purely for defensive mm-hmm. purposes to protect its own right. border. But um, also just to support uh, the North Koreans because they felt they had an obligation right. to support the Koreans because the Koreans had supported them in the Chinese Civil War, the anti-Japanese resistance, mm-hmm. um, the revolution in general, yeah. the... China's Foreign Affairs Ministry referred to China's obligations to the Korean people who have stood on our side during the past yeah. decade. It's a matter of honor. So it's not, yeah. Yeah. yes, it's a matter of, you know, supporting your allies who have supported you in the past. Exactly. It's not just about his own border. So the reason that's important is because it means that as soon as MacArthur crossed the 38th parallel... Mm-hmm. He had, he had tripped the wire that meant that Mao was going to get involved. Right. That really wasn't about getting close to the Yalu River and the Chinese border. It was as soon as the U.S. went into North right. Korea, Mao decided. In fact, um, uh, on the 2nd of October, mm-hmm. uh, they, the, the U.S. crossed the 38th parallel on October 1st. On October 2nd, right. 
Mao told Stalin that he had decided to get involved, that he was getting involved right. and he was sending troops in. Well, I'm sure Mao would rather fight in North Korea than southern China or in Manchuria. So, yeah, I mean, you, you fight the guy as far away from your own land as you possibly can. That's just prudence right there. Indeed. Yeah. So it was NSC-81, this uh, sort of loosey-goosey permission to invade and occupy North Korea, Yeah. that prompted Mao to get involved. Around this time, Kim Il-sung is actually in Peking right. on an armoured train. Uh, in secret, uh, ready to coordinate with Mao. Mm. Defending. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, there were US intelligence officers at this time that were growing increasingly nervous about China's uh, intentions. They kept getting small bits of intelligence information from a variety of sources that made them believe that the Chinese had already entered North Korea by late October. Mm. Uh, Colonel Percy Thompson who was an intelligence officer for the First Corps and considered apparently one of the best intelligence officers in Korea at the time, right. was very pessimistic about uh, China's intentions. He was quite sure that China already had a presence in North Korea. Mm. And he tried to warn everybody. Right. But uh, he tried to warn his superiors what yeah. was going on and just hit a, a brick wall. Yeah. He said he was fighting a sense of euphoria in the upper ranks in Tokyo about how, how what a great job they'd done and no one was right. prepared to listen. He himself directly warned Colonel Hal Edson, who was the commander of the 8th Regiment of the 1st Cavalry Division, the CAV. Right as they like to call themselves. Um, he warned him that there was a... He thought there was a significant Chinese uh, presence in the area. Mm-hmm. But Edson uh, treated his warnings, he later said, with disbelief and indifference. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if we've really stressed enough how truly euphoric uh, and, and relieved the Americans and the British and the South Koreans were. I mean, literally, it's like... The game is almost over with. We just got to run out of the time. We just got, I mean, how could anything possibly go wrong? And so you can call that naivete. You can call it blindness and racism as well as like we discussed a couple of minutes ago. But the Americans were on a track, a certain track, and they couldn't see anything else, even though people like that gentleman that you just said is giving them warnings. Colonel Percy Thompson's daughter was Barbara Thompson Eisenhower. Oh, Married to Dwight Eisenhower's son, John. Right. And she remembered a a distinct change in the tone of her father's letters from Korea at this point. She said he was writing to her as if to say farewell. He was absolutely sure they were going to be overrun and he was going to be killed. Damn. Now, um, he had good reason to be worried, as we've said before. Because the Chinese be worried, as mm-hmm. we've said before, because the Chinese uh, were in the country. His intelligence was, as right. it was going to play out, he just couldn't get Jeez. anyone to pay attention. Um, he wasn't the only person who couldn't mm. get uh, the Americans to listen. Um But uh, on October 25th, when the Chinese really struck in force, Mm -hmm. they hit the the ROK first. Um, General Paik, the ROK commander who took Mm -hmm. Pyongyang, mentioned um, in the last episode, he said it was like suddenly hitting a brick wall. And at first, the ROK commanders had no idea what happened. Paik's 15th Regiment basically came to a complete halt when they hit this wall of mortar fire, got completely hammered. They were being attacked on the flank, on the front, from the rear. All of a sudden, (laughs) they're facing no opposition one day. Next day, they're hitting a fucking... They're surrounded by this iron wall. Um, He figured Mm -hmm. it must have been the Chinese. He reacted fairly quickly pulled right. back to the village of Unsan. He said it was like a scene from an American Western when the white folks were hit by Indians, uh, badly outnumbered, and yes. the wagons get circled. 
He had been ambushed by the Chinese. He managed to capture and interrogate a Chinese soldier. Now, this guy told him he was just a regular soldier mm-hmm. in the communist right. army from Guangdong province. He told Pak that there were tens of oh. thousands of Chinese in the nearby mountains and that the entire 1st ROK division was trapped. Pak uh, passed that information onto the 8th Army headquarters and it was set up to Brigadier right. General Charles Willoughby Douglas MacArthur's key intelligence chief. Now, do you know much about this guy? No, uh, tell me. We've talked about him before, but... Well, in David Habelstam's book, The Coldest Winter, he describes Willoughby like this. A man dedicated to the proposition that there were no Chinese in Korea, that they were not going to come into Korea, at least not in numbers large enough to matter. That was what his commander believed. And MacArthur's was the kind of headquarters where the G2's job, G2 being an intelligence officer, the G2's job was first and foremost to prove that the commander (laughs) was always right. Only MacArthur's. Yes, go ahead. When he heard about about the interrogation, he decided the prisoner was a Korean resident of China who had volunteered to fight. Wow, that's some good detective work there. How'd you, how'd you figure that out, boss? Okay, just checking. And they're like, no, <laughs> that's not what he said. And he goes, no, nah, that's probably yeah, what he means, man. really. Yeah. Translation. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Trust me. So this is, this, <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't know. What's, what's beyond this hubris? This astounding stuff. What's beyond hubris? Delusion. 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 Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly where they're at. Completely yeah. delusion. Yes. Um, they just believe what they want to believe. Yeah. And look, I mean, and I we don't do want to bang on Americans and pick on Americans, but yeah, that's America yeah. to this very day, just believing whatever you want to believe. Facts to be facts be damned. Yeah. Um, the, I don't know what it is about Americans. I mean, and it's a good thing in many ways. Like, I think a lot of the good things you can say about America, mm-hmm. rightly so come from this American hubris, this American belief that anything, you can accomplish anything if you set your mind to it and you are rich. Um, You know, from Steve Jobs through to Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, uh, the Rockefellers, uh, you know, Donald Trump even. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's Donald Trump's MO. If you just believe it, you can become president. Will it. Doesn't matter. Will it. It doesn't yes. matter how many rape charges or marriages or failed yeah. businesses and what a fucking douchebag everybody knows you are. If you decide you want to be president, yeah. you can become president. That's yeah. Donald Trump is the American story in a nutshell. I think like it, it really doesn't matter. Right. Facts, truth, logic, reason. If you just believe it enough and you've got enough money to put behind it. Oh, that it, helps. You can accomplish anything in America. You say facts. I hear the word conspiracy, but that, that's just me. So I don't, with your facts. You say facts. I hear how much do I need to spend to get you to change that's those right, facts right. into something more or, convenient. Or for them not to matter. Because I've got both amounts. So, yeah. And, you know, and look, again, I, I, I'm not beating up on America, but it is America. Um, but I think this is true of... All empires, you know, Napoleon, as I said in the yeah. last episode, I think, just his hubris. And I'm a huge admirer of Napoleon, but his hubris thinking that, you know, well, just not being able to think clearly yeah. about what was going on in Russia in 1812. Right. The British Empire, you know, Churchill trying to maintain the empire when it's crumbling around him in World yeah. War II. Through sheer will. Yeah vastly overextended yes. <clears throat> thinking he can hold it together. I mean, this is empires and success breeds overconfidence and hubris and the ability. The, the, like it's this idea I think Americans have today that the, the American empire will last forever. Right. That nothing. Can't picture it know, not. There's no way yes. China's going to take over America's role as the global hegemonic, hegemonic yeah. leader. They just can't conceive of that it's inconceivable to americans right. you know and, and so we don't 
to I think to a lot of us outside of the country, we see it as obvious. Well, it's obviously yeah. going to happen. Like exactly when that line is going to be crossed is debatable. Has it already happened? Is it going to happen right. this year and ten years and thirty years? Who knows? It depends on how you measure it. Is it GDP? Exactly. Is it uh, you know how many countries they have in their pocket? Is it the, the the amount of nuclear weapons that they have? Is it when the RINMI becomes the global con- the global standard currency. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- 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 no one knows, but it's gonna happen. Like, yeah. uh, barring acts of massive tragedy, right? You know, something uh, uh, a global war that they lose, or you know, uh, yeah. um, an- another civil war, or, or, or their economy does collapse, as people are predicting, always predicting that it will. Have been predicting for twenty five years that it will. Right. Um, uh, they are going to take over, but I think that's just incredibly difficult for many Americans to even conceive yeah. of uh, for some reason. It's, I guess you just grow yeah. up with this propaganda that you're the greatest, you, you know, Jesus himself uh, mandated that you would rule the world. Yeah. And Boom. who's going to argue who's, with Jesus, yeah. really? I mean, Douglas MacArthur would, but. Right. He's not around anymore. Or he's probably in heaven, sitting at the right yeah. hand of God. Yeah. Uh, he's probably pushing Jesus out of the chair. Get, get, Jesus get, uh, fighting yeah. over that throne. Yeah. <laughs> well, to not be able to to conceive timeshare. There we go. Maybe. To not be able to conceive something is one thing, but to not want to perceive or conceive or whatever is even more powerful. I literally don't want to think that the, that that's possible, and so I shan't, no matter what you show me, and. That's some powerful stuff. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really, and like, and again, I, I get this when I'm talking to people like Jay David, like um, the brainwashing is so strong in guys like him mm-hmm. that, you know, the very suggestion that America is not a force for good in, in the world will make yeah. him he cannot throw up or comprehend. cry or shit his pants or yeah. both. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just, it, it literally, it's a religious conviction. Literally, can I believe he literally does not yeah. have. He's a smart guy, he's a lovely guy, he's an old friend, but literally cannot. In the same way that a fully, con, like a, a fully convinced Christian, mm-hmm. cannot begin to conceive that God and Jesus don't exist. Right. Guys like Markham cannot even begin to get their head around the idea that America isn't a force for good right. in the world. Yeah. It's it's just they they don't have the the neuronal structure, the capacity. It's a lifetime of brainwashing and propaganda and beliefs building on top of beliefs. To the, you know, identity yeah. factored into that to you the know? point it becomes faith. Or something like a religion. Well, like it is. It's an act yeah. of religious yeah. faith. I, yeah. I genuinely believe they're exactly yeah. the same functions going on there. Yeah. Um, rather than having a, a, an evidence-based mindset mm-hmm. uh, and not having a horse in the race. Right. You know, that helps. Um, which is, is difficult, as we talk about on the bullshit yeah. field all the time. It's very difficult to do that, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, it's what we try our best to yeah. do and avoid confirmation bias where possible. If the average American can go, you know what? I accept the premise that America is just the latest superpower and we've done all the things that all the other superpowers have done to get here and to stay here and most of them aren't pretty. If the average American could do that, I would be pretty impressed. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's taken me, took me years to get you to that point. Yeah. I mean, I'm amazing. It's... To everybody else, it's it's not really. Anyway, where were we? And look, if you can do yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Even the people in Dealey Plaza waiting for JFK Jr.'s right. miraculous return yeah. should be able to do yeah. it. What about that? You sent me this. Ray sent me this TikTok today mm-hmm. of a couple of right wing crazies uh, talking about the fact that. Mussolini was whose son? Uh, was it Patton? Rose was Lincoln's Patton's. Patton was Lincoln's grandson, right? And Mussolini was also Lincoln. Was Patton's? No, it was was I can't was remember. was related to Lincoln, right? And that. 
uh, Trump is a Kennedy. Sure. And that, oh, Michael Flynn was Mussolini's son. And JFK, uh, it was hard to follow. The the best part was, as this guy's listing this off, basically the Old Testament, he begat him, he begat him. The interviewer was going, "Uh uh-huh, sure, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, you're a fucking yeah, idiot. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you, brother. I know what you're saying. Speaking Cantonese. That's what it is. It was nothing but a Cantonese field show. Anyway, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Anyway, over the next few weeks, American and uh, ROK forces repeatedly captured Chinese prisoners. Right. Who repeatedly, openly identified their units and confirmed that the Chinese had crossed the Yalu River with tens of thousands of soldiers. No. And again and again, this information was sent to General Willoughby. And then again and again, he ignored it. No. La, 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 ha- la. No. La, 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 la. Yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> no. It didn't happen. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't be prudent. Again. You, it is impossible for you to understand something that you were paid not to understand. Exactly, exactly. And he doesn't want to, yeah. Um, so that's where they are at when mm. the Americans get attacked. Yeah. On the evening of the 1st of November 1950, mm-hmm. Private Carl Simon, um, Paul Simon's big brother... <laughs> Right. Was uh, <laughs> with the Eighth Cavalry, um, wondering he was part of G Company. They were sitting around camp, wondering what happened to F Company. Huh? That they, uh, they had heard were being attacked by unidentified troops. Right. And then Should they didn't check? hear any more from them. Should we? Is that, is that our concern? Do, anyway. Then they heard. Gunshots and shouting and bugles. The Koreans that were with them couldn't identify the language and said that it must be Chinese. That's not good. And then a massive wave of Chinese slammed into the Americans out of the darkness, firing, throwing grenades, and the Americans basically just ran away. G Company just turned... Dropped their pants and ran. Yes. 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 (laughs) Carl Simon wrote, there was just mass hysteria on the position. It was every man for himself. The shooting was terrific. There were Chinese shouting everywhere. I didn't know which way to go. In the end, I just ran with the crowd. We just ran and ran until the bugles grew fainter. I know this one. I ran. I ran so far away. Mm, mm. Thank you, Flock of Seagulls. He found himself (laughs) with 35 other guys uh, in the middle of Korea without a compass, without any officers uh, willing to provide any leadership. There were officers, but none of them wanted to... No, they were running too. Yeah. Yeah. They threw away their weapons and just began to shuffle southwards They walked for 14 days eating berries that they picked along the side of the road, Mm. waving their yellow scarves uh, to to try and get the attention of observation planes, but failing. Right. Stealing rice and potatoes at gunpoint on villages as they went. At least one of them must have had a gun. Sure. Um, Jeez. they, They took over the house of some civilians who uh, eventually would drive them away by telling them that the communists were getting close so the Americans would Mm -hmm. run away again. Uh, And just as they were close to dying of starvation or exhaustion, they managed to stumble across the British 27th Brigade and uh, rescued. Right. But, um, you know, if Willoughby and MacArthur... Had taken mm-hmm. these warnings seriously, this wouldn't yeah. have happened. But now American lives are getting Americans are getting killed and yeah. uh, uh, turned into refugees as a result of yeah. American, you know, 
just uh, refusal delusion? to yeah. yeah American delusions yeah. in the upper ranks. The tide of battle has turned once again. And that is where we will leave it. Uh, mm-hmm. Until next time uh, on The Muppet Show. <laughs> you obviously being The Muppet. But I, I don't want you to go away. No one goes away uh, empty-handed. We're right. going to uh, leave you with this. <laughs> Because she had it bleached. The Mary or the lamb? I'm confused. Both. Uh, two for one. Two for one sale that day. It was a memorable day, my friend. What do you do when you get lonely? <laughs> and it's not like what? by your side. You've been podcasting way too long. You know it's just your food. Ha, ha, ha.